Let's try this out and see how far it goes. The okay. There's a bit of a conflict whether we should speak about this or not. Um, because why? Because let's try. We can try. It's always good to try. In our system of spiritual advancement, there's a whole apparatus sophisticated and well-designed which allows us a an enhanced experience of living that apparatus is known as brachot, brachas through brachas a person gains a different type of insight into the world and is able to engage in the processing of reality in a different way to the way he would otherwise. It's almost, brochas are not a ritual, they're not a, <coughs> as people mistakenly think, a prayer of thanksgiving. They're really a fundamental point about how, how the world works and what the world is all about. It's significant that the Torah is created with a base. Um, now there is a source that says that the reason why the Torah is created with a base is because the, the letter Bet in the Hebrew alphabet indicates Brocha. There's a relationship between the letter Bet and Brocha and therefore since the world is symbolic, represents brocha, it was created with a base. What we'd have to underdo what we'd have to do is to try to grasp why is it that <coughs> the letter base Davka represents brocha. And what is brocha that it can be represented by this letter. As we all know, the letters of the Hebrew alphabet all have not only a numerical value, but they have a significance. They have a significance in the way that the letter is formed, and they also have a significance in the role the letter plays in its relationship to the letters before and after it. Um, essentially, the letters are the bricks that construct the houses, which are the words which construct the reality which is where we live. The letter base is literally translated means a house. A house, a base, 
is a is a type is a category of mokim. It's a category of space. A bias is not is not bricks and mortar. A bias is the space within the bricks and mortar. The space always remains a concept. Space is not a reality. Space is conceptual. The bias is contained by the walls and the roof. It's not the walls and the roof. The bias is what's contained by the walls and the roof. And the bias is a space which has the capacity to proliferate, to increase, to go beyond its walls. As the Mishnah in Pirkei says, your bias should be open. A bias is, is a space which goes beyond its walls. In the simple, simple terminology, a bias is a place where there's a unity created between husband and wife, who are the dwellers in the house, when you wish a couple, the traditional marriage greeting is You should build a Jewish house, a Jewish home. So the house is, it, be, it starts to begun, it's begun to be built once a person gets married. But marriage is the building of the home, building of the house. Without marriage you can't really build a house. Um, what marriage creates is a unity between two complementary but very different components in order that through them coming together they form a unified organism whereby the two components had they existed separately would never have been able to combine sorry the two units had they been had they existed separately would never be able to produce what the unity can because each one contributes to this new formed organism a different component the resultant organism that's created has the capacity to introduce into the world something that couldn't have been produced unless there would have been a getting together and a unifying of these two disparate these two disparate energies these two disparate beings in the most tangible sense that's called the birth of a child neither could have produced it on their own right but because they get together and they each contributes their own contribution to the process so therefore something which could not have, could not have been created by both of them is created by the unity of both of them but really the child is just really a metaphor it's a metaphor for all of marriage. That marriage is the coming together of two complementary parts of a single whole, whereby once they are unified, they can consistently reproduce something beyond them. They can, <coughs> they can bring into the world realities which would not have come into the world anyway. Essentially, a bias is the mechanism whereby proliferation, increase occurs both in the practical sense of giving birth to children, but also in the metaphorical sense of bringing into the world new aspects which would not have been present otherwise. The husband and wife, in cooperation, 
she can contribute her perspective, he can contribute his, and once synergized, they get a joint perspective which is far more accurate, and once cooperated, they can do things which as individuals they could not be able to do. The husband can come up with an idea of starting a business, and the wife can take that idea and, and give birth to it. She can take the idea and flesh out all the details and she can call up the people to make sure that the, there's a, enough of a market for the product and the whole thing can be brought into fruition. He can play the part of the, the seed, he can give the idea, he can plant it and his wife can bring it into fruition. That's generally the typical male-female relationship whereby the male component contributes the abstract concept, the idea, the notion, the goal, the aspiration, and the female component is able to realize that into practical form. Each one in their own accord would not be able to do anything, but as a unity they can do everything and introduce into the world a whole new, a whole new world, a whole new world, a whole new worlds constantly. That's a bias. So a bias is the place where from this point of unity increase occurs. The, the singularity of the couple, Dafka, because they are one, they can become many, ironically. Because the couple unite, because each one contributes to this relationship, their unique component to form a singular organism, Dafka, the unity, the oneness, creates multiplicity. Because they get together, they can have a child. If they would not get together, they couldn't have a child. When they are one, they can produce many. When they are not one, many doesn't come out of, many doesn't exist. So therefore, ironically, a bias is the movement from oneness, from singularity to plurality. The process of creation is no different. As we know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is one and creation begins with a base. Creation begins with a, ba a base. A base means two because the nature of creation again is a singular entity spreads out and in doing that spreading out in that multiplication, in that proliferation, in that um, fruitful reproduction, the world evolves, the world comes into being. Bracious. So bracious is the transition from oneness to many. And brocha is precisely the same thing. A brocha, the, the translation of the word brocha means to increase, to add on to, to diversify, increase in many different ways. Brocha doesn't mean blessed. It means to multiply. As it says in the verse, Uvarech es mecho, and you will be mevarech, my bread. <coughs> doesn't mean that Akosh Bokh will come and recite some type of ritual incantation over my nice French baguette. Rather, what it means is that the bread will become many. It will, it will have, it will, it will increase. So, Bokh is increase. And it's represented, of course, as we've said many times before in the letters of the word, which all share the numerical value of two. Bet is 2, Reish is 200, and Chof is 20. Because it's a word which contains inside of it the 
repeated notion of moving from singularity to plurality, in moving from one to many, in moving from potential to reality. It's another new thing that I just added in there. Because the potential, the idea, is also one, and the applications are always many. The idea of electricity is movement of electrons from one point to another. But the applications of electricity are lights, are cell phones, are electric heaters, are cars, are whatever you want. There's millions of applications, but the idea is just one. So the movement from the concept to the application is always going to be a brocha. And the world is a brocha. What does that mean? So it works in a variety of different ways. It works upwards, downwards, downwards, upwards. Let's try examine a few of them. But before we do so, I'd like to pause and um, maybe just sing a sweet lullaby for the 30% of people remaining awake that they should doze off so I can speak to myself in peace. <laughs> The lullaby I've chosen for the occasion <laughs> is an ancient Zulu lullaby. It's, um, it was sung traditionally to two slumbering infants, or potentially, <laughs> at the time they were crying. Um, and the words are Shasha Baba Shasha. Yeah. Hard to see the etymological sources for that. <laughs> <coughs> so Rabbi Sai, um, welcome back for those of you who <laughs> who had been temporarily. And now we're back to the point. Brocha, the world, our lives, how do they all interconnect? Why is it so important? What we said until now is that the idea of brocha is not some type of ritual obligation prior to eating of food or other <coughs> events, reciting some type of format in order to fill some type of byrote halachic obligation. Heaven forbid! Rather, the idea of bracha, brocha, is the movement from a singular source to a reproduction, to a many. Let us further investigate the idea. When you have something that is a source of brocha, this oneness, essentially what it means is, in the oneness, there is the raw kernel that contains everything that will come thereafter. In the idea of electricity, there is the potential for absolutely everything which will evolve. The starting point is the potential which is one but when realized it becomes billions of different things <coughs> when we recite a brocha we do a very interesting process because if the brocha is an increase let's try to figure out how do when I make my brocha on this apple how do I facilitate that process where, where's the increase? I'm simply looking at the apple and reciting some type of prayer in regard to it. But if we go a little bit deeper, we see things come out slightly different. The way increase works is there's a singular source of abundance. Call it, in the heavenly realms, we'll call it the power to 
satiate the needs of people through a variety of different colored and shaped fruits. It's an abstract power. That's the source of the bracha. It's located in And that power, when it manifests down on this earth, it creates a proliferation of apple trees, of orange trees, of pear trees, of nectarine trees, of pomegranate trees, of olive trees, of date palms, of avocado trees, of those little grapevines, sorry I forgot the vines, of fig trees, etc. But it's all coming <laughs> from one source. The source is the proliferation potentially that's in the abundant kindness of the Creator. And therefore when I perceive all these multifaceted creations on this world, there is a danger that I will be seduced into perceiving things on a purely sensory, from my senses, our sensor, sensory intake will tell me, well, here's an apple. And because I'll see the apple with my eyes, and I'll smell the apple with my nose, and I'll taste the apple, apple with my tongue, and I'll feel the apple with my fingers and my tongue, my process of eating <coughs> of the apple will begin and end in that act. Essentially, it will be an act which will be limited in space and time, and it will be the singular eating of a singular apple. Because if I approach things through my body, so then it cannot extend beyond the narrow parameters of the act. What a bracha does is, is it takes that act which is locked in a particular time and space and it radically expands it to a completely different realm. And how does it do it? It does it in the following way. When you about to eat the apple and you say, What you're doing is as follows. You're saying, I'm not going to process this apple through my taste buds, feel, touch, smell alone. <laughs> I'm going to introduce my understanding. I'm going to see through the eyes of my seichel. I'm going to examine the conceptual apple before engaging in it and try to find its source in reality in a realm which is above and beyond the physical. I'm going to transcend the experience of eating an apple in the physical sense and make it a transcendental experience. How do I do that? It's quite simple. What I do is I allocate the apple's placement in the biggest sphere of the creation. And I say, You are the source whereby things move from singularity to plurality. You create increase in this world. You have a relationship to us, Elokeinu. You are the one that really guides and guards that things come out the way they do. Melech HaOlam, even though it's hidden, HaOlam. <coughs> Boire, you created pre the fruit to eat. So what am I doing? I'm taking this apple, which is locked in space and time, and I'm going back to its source. I'm tracing it all the way back. And I'm saying, even though this is a singular apple, but it's purely a representation of a much deep, deeper and more powerful source. It goes all the way back to the unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which when manifested, can also manifest in the form of an apple. When I do that, so not only do I create a unified theory of the world, everything is interlinked and everything works together with one another. Not only do I have a spiritual component to a very physical act, but what I do is I unlock within the eating of an apple a gigantic font of spiritual influence because by me associating this apple with its source 
essentially I make a connection. I create a current that can be conducted between the apple down here and the source of the apple up there. And in doing so, by creating that unity, by taking those two things which aren't intrinsically created from the human perspective, because I can separate them and I can just eat the apple and dislocate it from its source, by creating the connection, so that sets up a conduit. Through that conduit can flow the powerful influence of Hashem. And therefore, by me reciting the bracha, what I'm essentially doing is I'm opening up the amazing windows of bounty in Shemaim. Because they are dislocated, they are disconnected from the apple unless I create that connection point. So through my brocha, I'm not just saying something. I'm being, I'm connecting the world together. I'm unifying the world, the top and the bottom, and putting them together and <coughs> saying, even though there seems to be a distance between the spiritual and the physical, when I show, I, I can do it through the magic of Seichel, which is the ultimate combining component in a man, I can combine, I can fuse, I can mold and weld the two disparate creations into a singular being and into a singular experience and by doing so, transcend. Transcend. I'm able to transcend and I'm able to unlock in a little action a gigantic world. And in doing so, actually create additional bounty into the world because now the pipes as were as as it's as we could say the pipes can flow the pipes are no longer blocked they can flow backwards and forwards downwards upwards to downwards does it connect to the the apple or to you the way when you when you when you unlock that connection is it is it in the apple does the apple like take on a kind of holiness or is it all happening within you i don't know if it's a the apple moves the apple moves from uh, oh gosh how still have any thought thought energy left because the Gemara says as follows <coughs> the Gemara says that um, the process of a bracha the Gemara in the beginning of the 6th chapter of brachas says that the process of a bracha is um, akin to a pigeon of Kodesh in other words there are certain artifacts foods, articles that a person can designate for holy usage and then they become forbidden to, to be used for mundane usage. There is an option, however, if you take the sanctity, the Kedusha, that is present on the particular article, it can be transferred to money, for example. So what you do is you say, this article is worth $100. I want you to take these $100 and shift it to here, and then I'll use this for holy use. And in doing so, the Kedusha, as it were, shifts. And now this, and this, 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 this article becomes permitted for profane use. The Gemara says a brocha does exactly the same thing. A brocha is everything, as it were, is designated for the service of Hashem. And by a person making the brocha, it's a form of shifting the Kedusha. So the question is, how does the Kedusha shift and how does it work? Where does it shift to? There's no coin here.
Um, so now what you have to say is as follows that the Kedusha which is locked up in the apple is that the apple proclaims in its own way that it is sourced in a high realm a realm of goodness, a realm of plenty, a realm of sweetness and that the source of all that is our Kodesh Baruch the apple proclaims that, but the apple has no lips to say it and no voice to shout it when you look at the apple and you perceive what the apple is saying so that's the kernel of Kedush in the apple. When you verbalize it, essentially you've taken it from the apple and you've moved it to your power of speech. So therefore now the apple, since you've taken, this, you've taken the component of the apple, which is the sanctity, and you've elevated it through your speech, you've transferred it to, from the apple <coughs> to a declaration which describes the apple, so now the apple can be eaten. Because now the apple, as it were, has become use, usable for mundane purposes. You've taken out the Kedusha, but it's not really true that you've taken out the Kedusha, you've utilized the Kedusha. And therefore it's permissible to eat the apple thereafter. So therefore one would say that in terms of the movement, the movement is really inside of oneself. But in terms of the consequences, so of course you get elevated because, but essentially what you're doing is you're creating an abundance of apples in the world or fruit, or whatever there is. You're bringing abundance into the world, because you're connecting up the upper and lower realms. So by saying that broccoli, you're causing more apples to be That's right. produced more? That's right. Whenever you say a person should have broccoli, you mean more should come out of it. So the broccoli creates a ribu in a toisefes. If that's how it works, then how is it that when you say a broccoli over one fruit, you're exempted from saying broccoli over another fruit that you're going to eat then? Why don't you then have to say the broccoli over everything you eat? Well, because what happens is that since you're relating this, the, the, the source of this fruit to a higher realm, so once you've allocated that, so it becomes applicable to all like components. Anything which is like, anything which shares that, you've already made the declaration. You've already said, you have in front of you an apple, an orange, and a pear, and a nectarine. You've already declared that the source of the fruit of the tree is Boya Priyais. If there would be separate brochas for every fruit, you'd have to make a separate brocha. If you say boya priya apple, boya priya pear, boya priya fig. But since it's a generic term, boya priya ace, so that term has described adequately everything in the basket in front of you. But again, it has to be in front of you. If it's something which is coming from outside, so then it's not included. Unless, uh, whatever, I'm not going to have lucky ramifications. Does the after brocha sort of close that? Okay, we haven't discussed what the purpose of an after brocha is. But we start to discuss what the purpose of a brocha is. And then we've just run out of time. So we'll stop. We'll stop and we'll continue in the latest.